If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. The reading this morning came from Philippians chapter 2, probably a familiar passage to us as we begin a a study this morning of what it means to truly confess Jesus as Lord. But in the text, it talks about how God has highly exalted the name of Christ. And by highly exalted, Paul says, I want you to know that it is a name above all names. Jesus is the greatest of all names. And not only that, he adds to the fact that One day, when we decide, uh, where God decides this world's through, whenever our life ends, when the world is brought to judgment, Paul says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's not unique to Paul. There are other writers who say the same thing, but the emphasis is that no matter what tongue you speak, no matter what nation you come from, no matter what time of history that you lived, the name of Christ is is precious, and we will all bow down before him. And he says in doing this, this confession of Christ, it is to the glory of God, and it reminds us of some things Jesus said in his ministry as he's trying to reveal to them what the Father looks like, what the Father needs, what he desires. And so he sets this pattern and example for his disciples, and he says, I need you to go and teach people the things that you have learned and model the example that I have taught you. And then when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you, which we see in Acts chapter 2, you'll be reminded, he says, of all the things I've taught you, and you'll be able to go and tell that to someone else. The previous weeks we have studied about things that we need to do in order to be saved. We've talked about these steps of faith, and it begins by hearing the gospel, whether it is by opening the word, reading it, and meditating on it, and let it set in our mind, focus, and in stillness we say, I need to do something about this. That hearing is the first step. Based upon our hearing and our acknowledgement that there is a God, we have to, by faith and believing, put it into action. Being able to believe in something is wonderful, but if it is not active, and if you're not active in faith, James says it is a a dead faith. So what are we going to do with our faith? What are we going to do with the, the fact that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because if believing in Jesus was enough, then nothing else would matter. Not just on this chart, but anything else. I had a Bible study this week with a couple of gentlemen, and I had explained to them, you know, if faith was all that was necessary for salvation, I would never have to check my gas tank, right? Because sometimes I think I've got enough gas in there to get me from one destination to the next, but if I'm not keeping an eye on that gauge, I'm going to end up stranded. 
And in our faith, if we just say, I believe, that's all I need to do. I just believe, I believe, I believe there's a God. Well, that's wonderful. But James says even demons tremble and believe. Our faith must be active. So how can we activate our faith? How can we push the on button? Well, hearing the gospel is great, believing that Jesus is great, but we then have to change our lives through repentance. And we talked about that last Sunday. The necessity of being able to say, I no longer want to be the person I was. I no longer want to live the lifestyle that I had, but I want to be changed. And what God does is He changes us from the inside. There's that faith. And then He changes us on the outside by what I do, where I go, what I say, how I act. All of those things are impacted by the blood of Jesus Christ that now covers me. The motivation that I have because of what the Father has done and the spirit that he's put inside me in order to bear fruit. As Paul says in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are what? The fruit of the spirit. And so if I am alive in Christ, I am growing in Christ. A faith that is just there, a faith that is not moving, James says, is like a dead body in the grave. And when we're buried with Christ in baptism, we must also raise with Christ in baptism to live a new life. As John told Nicodemus, you've got to be born of water and spirit. If you want to get into the kingdom, that's the first thing. So today we come to this thought of confessing the precious name of Jesus. Another part of this process, and as Jesus talks about confession, and as the other writers of the New Testament begin to put it into perspective, meditate on what Paul has said there in Philippians chapter 2. What is confession? First of all, I want you to notice that if you're going to confess the precious name of Jesus, you are making a statement of declaration. Jesus told his disciples and to those that were hearing him, if you confess my name, if you acknowledge me before men, I will confess your name. I will acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. The Bible teaches us that it is through the precious name of Jesus because we have confessed him and because we live for him and because we wear his name, we now have access to the Father. Now, I'll mention a little bit about that again here in just a moment. But Jesus says, if you want me to acknowledge you, you've got to acknowledge me. You've got to recognize that I am the Lord of your life. And if I say to you that I am a huge fan, and I had a friend this, this way too for many years, he was a huge fan of Auburn football. Huge fan. And one day I saw him with an Alabama hat. And I said, now, now I'm on some toes now, ain't I? So what are you doing? He said, well, Alabama had a good season this year. So I decided to change hats. I said, oh, no, it doesn't work like that, right? It doesn't work like that. You've got to marry into it, right? So how do you change teams so quickly? Well, basically, I found out he's a fair weather fan. And whatever teams are winning, that's the one he wants to be for. The other way, as we see it, it's hypocrisy. If you say you're going to be for something or for someone, and we take our football very seriously, imagine how you would feel if someone who had told you that they had confessed the name of Jesus and they declared themselves to be a Christian, and then they put on a different hat. What if they lived like the world lives? What if they choose to do things that the devil wants the world to do? At what point do you say you've confessed the name of Jesus, but living for Jesus is essential? 
Confession is not just a statement of declaration that I make on the day I become a New Testament Christian, but it is a statement I make every single day as I walk in Christ Jesus. I don't abandon my faith and the declaration of Jesus when I step through that door. I do not say that as soon as I exit the building, I'm no longer going to confess the precious name of Jesus. It is a declaration that I give Him my life, not just on that day, not because it's convenient, but because every day I want to live for Him because what He did for me on the cross impacts me, not just on the day I'm saved, but every single day. I'm undeserving. I don't deserve the grace and the mercy of God, but praise the Lord, He gives it anyway. Number two, our confession is a source of our faith, that we are reminded of what we've done, and regularly we are reminded on the first day of the week. One of the greatest privileges and blessings God has ever given us is the ability to worship, to come together here, and it's not just to come and say we praise the Lord, but He's given us specific things that are meant to trigger our mind, our memory, to the thoughts of the cross. It's the reason why Steve said this morning, just a few moments ago, that we take the communion every Sunday. It's not one time a year, it's not every quarter, it's every single Sunday, not only because it's the New Testament church did it, but it's because for us it is a reminder, it is a memory, it triggers a memory of the cross. Number three, confession is a symbol of your baptism. In fact, uh, when Matthew writes in chapter 28, he says, you know, you got to teach all the things I've commanded you. Take all these thoughts, all these teachings, and being saved by the precious name of Jesus Christ, I should want to take that into the world. A symbol of who I am. A symbol of what I have now become. Becoming a new, Christ, new Christian in Christ. A new creature. Number four, it's a subject of our preaching. We preach the name of Jesus Christ. We lift up the name and the image of Jesus. And so it is for us the subject of our preaching. If we're not going to preach Jesus, what are we going to preach? If we aren't going to preach about what it means to be a New Testament Christian, to live inside of the church, to be in his body and to be active, if we're not going to preach that, then what are we going to preach? Number five, it's a stipulation of prayer. You see, when I go to God in prayer, I can't just say, God, I need something. In fact, we've been taught and trained since children to close out our prayers by saying, in Jesus' name. In the name of Christ. You and I would not have access to the Father if it were not through Jesus. The Bible teaches us John 14. He tells His disciples, the only way to get to the Father is through me. So we have to enter into Christ's body in order to be raised up and to declare His name in prayer for the things that we need. There's power in prayer. Not because of any great words I offer, but there's power in prayer because Jesus is the mediator who takes that prayer to the Father. Any access I have to that throne room is not because of any good works I have done, but because I have confessed the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus is my advocate. Jesus is my mediator. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, Paul says. And so I take that and I say, you know what? Now I have this great avenue of prayer through Christ. Number six, it's a sentiment of our salvation. When we talk about being a Christian, think of the many verses in the Bible that talk about being in Christ or in Christ Jesus. 
And it's not just a name that we use regularly. It's everywhere we go. We call ourselves Christians. It's on our sign. We're the Church of Christ. We reference everything we do to our relationship with the Lord. So it's a sentiment of our salvation to be baptized into Christ Jesus. And then number seven, his name, when we confess his name, it shows that we have a substitute for sin. That we have a substitute. We have someone who has now taken our place and removed the blot against us in the book of life. Has removed the impact of sin and the death, the physical and spiritual death of sinners. And so he substitutes. He takes and puts himself in our place. And being someone who says, I confess Christ, and being part of a group of believers that call themselves the body of Christ, the church of Christ, and being part of a a large community of Christians, it means we have a target on our back. We have a target from Satan, our enemy, and also against others who have declared in this world that they are anti-Christian. Now I want to say a few things this morning before we close out. Probably won't be very popular. But I want to remind you of what it means to have the freedoms we have in this country and the joy and the privilege of knowing that at one time, and I said that correctly, at one time we were a Christian nation, or at least we were founded on Christian principles. But tides shift. Empires rise and fall. And we as confessed believers in Christ Jesus have a target. It's the reason why there's so much violence in this world. It's the reason why there's so many things that are happening in our country that we can't quite understand, can't quite figure out what God is doing, or better yet, why God is allowing certain things to happen to us. I'll be honest with you, if you took me back in a time machine 40 years ago, explain to me or my parents or my grandparents that we were living in an age that you couldn't tell whether a man was a man or a woman was a woman. In fact, can't even define what a man or a woman is. If you had told me, because when I I was raised, I was raised not just on biblical principle, but on common sense, whether there's science involved or not, that there is a man and there is a woman. And if you had told me that there would be a time when women would dress as men and men would dress as women and they would go into our public schools and teach our children, I would have said, no way. That's crazy. Now look, you have a choice as to how you live your life. That should be a privilege for you to be able to choose whatever you choose to do. But let me tell you something. If you put on ears and a tail and sit in a litter box, I'm not going to meow at you. You want to call yourself a furry? You go right ahead. In fact, there's straight jackets down the street. I'm sure you probably could get one. But our world is not the same as it was. Things have been fundamentally transformed, and it's been intentional. It's been intentional. And it's because we live in a nation that has at one time declared Christ as Lord. used to be we talked about King Jesus. And if you don't think that the things that are happening in our country now are because of that, you need to wake up. Because you cannot tell me in any other foreign country 
That there would be individuals that would walk through the doors with assault rifles, claiming to be a sex that they are not, and killing innocent children. In fact, if you had again taken that time machine with me back 30, 40 years ago and told people that someone would do such a thing, in fact, you got to be careful, you can't call her a her because that may not be her pronouns. And she creates such an atrocity that there would be Hollywood stars saying, well, this is really the fault of the Christians because they are so inconsiderate of people that are transgender. They're so inconsiderate of what people have chosen and how they choose to live their life. Look, if you want to live that lifestyle, that's between you and God, but you're not going to tell my children that they should be able to have the freedom to choose what sex they want to be in kindergarten. It's not going to happen. What's, what's happening? You don't see this in other countries. You don't see people coming through doors with assault weapons and saying, I'm transgender and doing things at mosques or in Buddhist temples. You don't see it in those countries, but you see it here because Christians are under attack. Because our Christian faith is under attack. And this has been going on for a long time. In fact, most of us aren't taught in constitutional history at all anymore, or we would know that most of the Bill of Rights has already been torn up and thrown away. We don't have the freedoms we once did. Freedom of the press, you kidding me? You say something on social media, you're blocked. Misty made a joke the other day to a cousin. Said, don't do that or I'll cut you. She got warned on Facebook. Cousin got banned for a month, I think. Just saying something funny. They're watching you. You put I'm a Christian on there. They're watching your sites. You don't have freedom of speech. We don't have freedom of religion like we once did. We're criticized. In fact, for some time, we were all fearful as preachers because we were told that they were weaponizing the IRS against churches. And we need to be careful what sermons we preached or the churches would use their, their profit status, non-profit status, or their tax exemption. And so it gets all of us worried about what's happening. And this is happening because we're Christians. This is happening because we have declared ourselves followers of Jesus. This is why elections are important. This is why the entertainment we choose is important. That's just a TV show, Ray. It's no big deal. Just one inappropriate relationship on there. It's, it's nothing big. We can look past it. But every time we see it, every time we pay for it, we're only feeding the beast. Now, like I said, I'm not going to get political. I know this is unpopular. But I said a few months ago that if you weren't going to hear history on TV, the History Channel is basically all about aliens now, right? I'll think we came from another planet and dropped here, converting us to Raelian theology. That's what it is. And you can't get it in the schools anymore, but you're going to get it here. Because we're going to talk about the history of our nation. We're going to talk about what's going on. And we are no longer who we thought we once were. We're changing. We're evolving. Much more like a socialist state with every passing day. I'm not saying that to be discouraging. And I'm not saying that to, to try to hurt anyone today. But it is a reminder of what God has consistently taught us in the scriptures. That there should always be a remnant I don't know if the world's going to end. I'll tell you, I've been praying for it for a long time because I fear what I'm leaving behind to my children. I'm fearful of what they're going to do. You know. But I do know in the power of prayer, and I believe that God is still in control, and I do not believe for a moment that things are completely lost. 
I believe that there are amazing things set for the future for Christians who not only believe, but are willing to confess. And you are, you are, if you haven't already, you will be. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, Paul said. And it will come. It is coming. The church is already on the steps. We pray for our nation. We pray for our churches. We pray for our homes. A lot of fear for what's being done for the role of men in our world today that should be leaders in their homes and leaders in the church. This comes because of our confession to Jesus Christ. So I encourage you this morning again to take your hand and look here for just a moment. When you meet people who say there's no hope, well, for the world, it's going to burn up. There's nothing we can do about that. But there is hope for a human to be able to do the things that are necessary to ensure that when the end comes, and it will come, that we'll be ready. The first thing we've got to do is we've got to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to know that that message is one that saves. And based on that, we then believe in Jesus Christ. Based on our belief, we then confess that Christ is the only name by which one can be saved. By the power of His precious blood, we are cleansed through baptism. All right, So we go down into that watery grave of baptism. Hear, believe, repent, confess. We change our life, repentance, confess, baptize into Christ, and we walk a new life. And that means that not only do I declare it on that day, but every single day. And I say to you this morning with all seriousness, seriousness and with the utmost urgency... But the way the world is changed is by how we react and what we do or we don't do to change our direction. Every one of us are valuable. If you're not a child of God and you haven't taken those steps of salvation, this is your opportunity to ensure that when the end comes, you are ready, your soul is prepared. And if you are a Christian and you've struggled, maybe you haven't lived the way that you should. We want to encourage you to come for prayer, come for encouragement, and let us lift you up and help you in whatever way that we can to know that you are not alone. And you still have a choice. You still have the right to make the right choice or the wrong choice. God gives that to you. What will you do? Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.